Hello, you're listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name is Valerie Koo, and you can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre, and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips, and valuable ideas on how to get published. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story, or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Annette Hughes wanted to be an artist, but married an art dealer and the art world instead. After the marriage failed, she went into book publishing with an independent small publisher, then moved on to become first a theatrical agent, then a literary agent, mentored by veteran literary agent Rose Creswell. In 2004, she threw it all in to move from Sydney to the Sunshine Coast to farm trees and learn about country life, vegetables and how to tend chickens. It's a far cry from launch parties of books and authors. Art Life Chooks is Annette's first book. Annette lives with her partner Geoffrey on the Sunshine Coast. Annette, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Now, tell us, you lived in Sydney, but you've moved to the Sunshine Coast. How long ago was that and why did you do it? Oh, I guess it must be about six years ago now. Um, we did it mainly for family responsibilities. Uh, it was time for Jeffrey to come back to the family farm. And the other factor was money. It was just too expensive to live in Sydney. Mm, mm. And Jeff, Jeff actually said the other day, nothing's changed. We've still got five bucks in our pockets at the end of the week, but we haven't had to go out and work an 80-hour week to get there. <laughs> and, um, yeah, no, it was. I was ready for a change, I guess, and, mm. and just took it when the opportunity came up. And... Were you already writing or was the change something that helped you, you know, spur that um, on? I guess, I suppose, when I look in, in the box of half-finished ideas and things to do one day, mm. there is quite a lot of writing projects in there. I just never had time to do it working full-time in Sydney. Mm. So, yes, I suppose at the back of my brain there was always an idea that... Uh, that I would sit down and write something one of these days. I just didn't know what was going to be a memoir. <laughs> mm, mm. So tell us how that all came about. Um, well, I'd, I'd st- it, it actually started as a series of letters to girlfriends. And uh, one of those girlfriends was my publisher, Linda Fennell. And she convinced me to go there. I think she flattered me into it. <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, it was very fi- and very difficult to find the confidence to do it, as you can imagine, mm. being a, a literary agent and and um, you know, not, not really wishing to parade my inadequacies in front of the entire <laughs> industry, but you get that. How did you get over that hurdle? Because I can imagine it is, it is quite difficult to make that transition. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether it was just... Me being tragic and <laughs> and um, self-conscious, but I, the thing that I found most difficult was to to find that threshold between being a creative reader, you know, where you're looking for possibilities in the work, and a critical reader, where you're looking for the flaws 
and there's that point where you have to sort of let go and, and move the process into the editorial stage and just stop fiddling. I found that very difficult mm. um, because as a as a reader, as a, an agent, you sort of you get the thing fully formed and, and then you've got your own bunch of ideas to add to it and and how it could be fixed and how it could be made better and stronger and when it's your own work, oh, that's awfully difficult to find that place. So what about your experience as a literary agent helped you in the writing and what do you think hindered you? Um, I think it helped more than anything else. I mean, for 10 years I was in a position to read some of the best contemporary Australian writing by the best authors in the business. And uh, I think by osmosis, you know, that kind of just rubs off on you. Mm. I would have to say that reading reading, reading high-quality literature is the best thing an author can do mm. um, in terms of, you know, you're finding out what other people are up to, how they go about it, you know, how new ways of telling stories, interesting ways of telling stories. Um, yeah, I think more than anything it was a help rather than a hindrance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you say it started off initially as a series of letters to girlfriends. Yeah. When when did it do, did you decide I'm going to turn transform these letters into a memoir, or did you start writing a memoir from scratch? How did that all work? Well, I also had a bunch of diaries that I kept for the garden, quite uh, quite detailed diaries, because if you don't, you end up with you know, places where you can't plant tomatoes for another seven years and if you don't remember those things you can end up losing crops um it was a combination of the two and the the diary the garden diary i found when i went back through it had all of these little observations about things that i'd never seen before and and uh, observations about growing things and planting things and seasons and I hadn't realised that I'd been doing it and there was quite a lot of material there so I started merging the two and then I, I kind of got to like it because <laughs> I couldn't stop. <laughs> so when you started you know, sitting down and merging the two and enjoying it, did you then have a, a process or a rhythm or a daily routine to actually then write the book? Uh, yeah, the trouble with my daily routine is it always has a major task of avoidance process at the beginning of it. Um, so by the time I've done all of the approach avoidance things like the washing up and feeding the animals and planting things out, by the end of the afternoon, and because you can't you can't do a lot of that stuff after dark, um, the writing tends to be something you can do after dark. So yeah, it would be it would tend to be in the evenings that I would sit down and and start work. Wow, and get a few hours done. Yeah, daytime was difficult because there's always pressing other things to do sure. on a farm. Hmm. Did you find that you could sustain that and maintain your concentration and you know be inspired yeah. after working hard all day? Well, yeah, you're not unless you you like the conversation of cows, which I do. <laughs> they just don't say very much back, so it leaves you a lot of thinking time, and and that's really important, regardless of the fact that you're doing something with your hands. You are actually engaged with the book in your mind, so right. you don't lose you don't lose the headspace that you set up to write with. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You know, you've got to you've got to find that place where you have no other distractions um, intellectually and 
and I find that you know that that works perfectly well with being on the land. You you don't need to be engaged in the thing that your hands are doing. <laughs> mm. You sounded almost a little surprised earlier on that your first book was a memoir. Was it a surprise? Did you anticipate you would actually be writing fiction or something else? I always thought, yeah, that I would write short stories or fiction, but um, as it turned out, a memoir is just as fictional as anything else because it's all getting filtered through your own consciousness. And mm. Who knows what's true? <laughs> uh, my sister actually was the most terrifying audience. She's she's the one of us who remembers everything in minute detail. And I was very surprised that I actually managed to get some of our childhood stories straight, <laughs> according to her. But yeah, no, it's I, I don't know that there's really that much difference between memoir and and fiction in that respect because you know you're making you're making yourself up mm. as you go and trying to find connections between the way you perceive the world and the way that you think the world actually is and so I guess in that sense a memoir isn't isn't a biography as such it's a, it's much more of a meditation mm. on life that you know, who cares if it's true? It's my <laughs> truth. <laughs> Who's going to know except me and the cows? <laughs> and memoir can be a difficult thing for some people to write because they often struggle with them, you know, oh, but is this interesting to people or is this part interesting to people? Did you go through any of that at all? I did have to say in the beginning when Linda said you really should write this into a book, I said, but who cares? Linda, who's going to want to know what I feel about things? And, of course, that's not the point. Um, once you once you get into it and you you find that you do feel quite deeply about certain things, if you can tell it in a way that, that takes people with you, then it's, it becomes their story too. Yeah. Um, and you know the things that I'm dealing with are the things that everybody on some level does. You know, who am I? Where am I going? And what am I doing here? And most people confront those questions in their lives at some stage. So you know, it's it's quite a it's a general audience. <laughs> mm. So, are you working on another writing project now? Yeah, I like it so much. I think I'm doing um, a prequel, which wow which takes me up from from um, the de- demise of my marriage to the art world and and having a career in books and to the moment where I meet Jeffrey. So it's, um, it's that stage of my life, which is a little bit fraught. I don't know whether it'll get through the lawyers, but anyway, okay. I'm going to write it. So. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's been quite a process. And when do you plan to, when do you hope to complete that? Yeah, well, you know, it's one of those things where you have, I've got a lot of approach avoidance happening at the moment. <laughs> I think there's about four chapters of it sitting there and I've just got to sit down and plan the rest of it mm. into a book. Um, and that that's the most, I think that was the most interesting part of the process was you can't just tell a story from the beginning with a middle and an end. It's got to be... It can't be sequential like that. It's got to be interesting. Mm. And, uh, finding the way to frame the story is the, is the challenge, I think. Because mm. with this one, um, I found that one of the largest images that 
kept coming back was the image of the snake. And I have to admit that I did have um, the driver's wife in the back of my brain when I was making, when I was writing that part of the story. So it did occur to me, what I'm, what I'm doing here is I'm telling a yarn, aren't I? Mm. And so I, I, can't, I guess I kind of took the tools that, that are in that Lawson story and applied them to my own work. And, mm. and it is a bit of a yarn. It's a bit of a circular thing. It starts at the beginning and, and goes and, and spins a whole pile of anecdotes and, and brings it all back to the, to the beginning again at the end. So mm. kind of like that form. You know, it's, um, and it's, you know, it's our form. It's an Australian form. Mm. It sounds like you've really enjoyed uh, the process of writing. Can apart from what you're writing now, have you had a chance to cast your mind forward, say five years or whatever, on what you'd like to, you know, other things that you might like to write? Um, yeah, I, yeah, that old adage: you write what you know. Um, I've got a long, long uh, history in the art world, so. What I know is Australian art and artists, and um, I don't know whether that's going to take the form of fiction or non-fiction. But there are a lot of there are a lot of writers of art criticism in the world, but there aren't very many people who write about the art world as part of the story that they're telling. So, mm. yeah, like people like um, oh, what's that gorgeous girl's name who? She writes about artists. Um, she's just from Victoria. I'll think of it in a minute. My my, my mind is not um, working at this hour. <laughs> no, <I'd say>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Janine, Janine Burke. All right. That kind of book. I mm-hmm. like her books, yeah. Mm. So um, it's, it's, will that be fictional or would that be, a, you know? Hard to say. I mean, I've got... I've got a lot of notes and information about the process of making art, so it'll probably it'll probably be fictionalised, but it'll be true in the sense that it's about being an artist. So, mm. yeah, we don't know yet. That is in the box of things to do one day <laughs> before dying. <laughs> what else is in that box? Oh, there's all sorts of things in that box. It's full, <laughs> full of half-finished things. At a certain point, I realised that. You know, my life was half finished. Everything in it was half done. Half, the sun was half grown. My house was half renovated. <laughs> novels half written. And uh, I have to say that writing of this book was one of the one of the few personal creative things that I've actually finished. And it was such a pleasure yeah. to get to the end of it. Now, <laughs> look at that. I can finish things. It's not my problem at all. <laughs> <laughs> and when you did finish that book, did you, you know, your first draft, did it then have to go through quite a bit of a revision and redrafting process or was it near uh, the end already? What, what was I the can't experience? I tell you how hard it was. Right. <laughs> because, you know, I, I don't know what I was thinking as an agent, but I just thought these drafts that landed on your desk were a relatively easy thing for an author to do. After all, that was their job. That's what they did. Yeah. But having to do it myself, oh, my God, it is the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. Yeah. Um, at, at a certain point, I was sitting there with the page proofs open and going through all the corrections and and writing up to the editor's suggestions, and, and it's just covered in pencil scratchings and chook droppings. And, <laughs> and 
I, was, I looked up at Jeff and said, God, just imagine being a beginner at this. How soul-destroying it must be. And he said, well, you are, aren't you? You don't look like you know what you're doing either. <laughs> and I didn't. I had no idea how hard it was going to be. Right. And, um, yeah, many, in the volume many, of changes or in the type of changes in, or what? In learning the craft of how to how to do that next transition into the, in the process of turning it from a from a, a book which is a bunch of loose ideas into a really seamless thing that reads well and hangs together well and and takes the reader into account and you know, that side of the process that the editors do is amazing. I, I I don't have the eye for detail for it. I'm sure I could learn it eventually, but I'm very old. Life's too short. <laughs> there are professionals to do these things. Yes. But I'm I'm absolutely in awe of their craft. It is the most difficult thing to do to to manage and juggle all those all those different time scales and characters and and stuff into a seamless whole. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. That was that was an eye opener. Mm. And how different was the final product to your initial first draft? Oh, I haven't gone back and slapped myself over the head with that. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. But I, I did. Uh, I did get a phone call from Linda um, on the day that the book arrived. I think I was up to page 150, and I couldn't put it down because I was so delighted to see it in print. <laughs> I said, am I the only tragic person on your book who does this? And she said, oh, God, no. <laughs> Everybody does. Oh, I'm, I imagine so. I mean, you have it in your hands and it's finally there and all that hard work is, you know. Oh, it's that mad, that mad thing is suddenly it's a multiple and it's going to be out in other people's hands. Mm. And you can imagine your work sitting in the hands of others in mm. that format. You can't imagine it in a manuscript. No. And that's scary. And then you walk, walk into bookshops and I'm like, oh, there it is. <gasps> so, yeah, I, I'm still basking in the in the pathetic glow of the first pub, first time published author. <laughs> I'm sure that it'll, it'll wear off eventually. Oh, I hope it doesn't. <laughs> no, neither do I. And so have you had much response from people? Have, have people written to you or... Or, you know, um, giving you a response to reading the book? Yeah, and that's the best thing. Because mm-hmm. all throughout my career as an agent, you know, if, if I read a book, I would write fan letters to authors because authors don't get very many fan letters mm. for some reason. People, I guess, feel weird about writing to an author. Mm. Um, but I always did because I knew that they didn't get much feedback. And, and that was before festivals had become a big thing. You know, the author was pretty much left in their very own bedroom, suffering over a hot uh, manuscript and without very much feedback at all. So, you know, I always did that dead shit thing of writing fan letters and (laughs) and people wrote back. It was great. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, and I always make sure that, and and it's that mad thing too, and and, and I do the same thing. You've, You've had two days with somebody's book and you're in it, and you're of it, and it's part of you, and mm. you just bear your soul <laughs> and, mm. and make all of the connections and blurt it out to the author. And yeah. It's kind of cathartic, and yeah. I just love reading the responses. Oh, my God, wow, yeah. that's great. I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> 
they feel the same as me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the most rewarding part of this whole process? You know, the writing, the seeing it at the end, the response. What what aspect of it um, is, uh, like, is the most rewarding part for you? I think personally it's, it's actually coming up with an explanation of yourself to yourself. Um, oh. That sounds a bit kind of woo-woo therapy, writing <laughs> a therapy, but... Until you sit down and work out what you do think about things and what you do feel about the world, it's kind of just a nebulous thing that sits at the back of your your being. But, but when you write it down and you sit there and you work it out, it, it kind of grounds you, I think, in your life. And then you can move on. You know, okay, I know what I'm on about there. I understand where I'm coming from. This is what motivates me, and it, and it makes, I think it makes the rest of your life choices after that point a lot easier because you have sorted yourself out. Mm. It's kind of, you know, I guess it's kind of like, you know, you get to adolescence and out the other end of it, you're an adult. Mm. Um, writing a book makes you kind of able to slough off a part of your life that you don't have to deal with anymore. You don't have to live with it anymore. It's it's outside you and isolated and on the shelf. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it would be an interesting journey when you go through this next, when you write the memoir for the, this next part of your life, which, as you say, mm. was a bit fraught. It'll be an interesting journey to sort out that part, I guess. Well, I guess that's the interesting thing about the book. I, I didn't think that my life was particularly interesting to other people, but um, the response has been that, well, actually, it is, mm. I guess. Um, and I have led a fairly interesting life compared to what most people do right in the centre of the art world. And I kind of think it's I've got a responsibility to to talk about it because it's a privileged position. Mm. And not very many people get to be in that place. So, yeah, it's one of those things that you, know, you want to share what you know with other people. And make it easier for the kids coming along behind you. you know, oh, that what that is. Okay, I get it now. Oh, and then they can get on with their lives within those circles. But um, I don't know. It's just one of those things, I guess. I'm an egomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> After you went, you I mean you went from the art world and then into book publishing. How did that happen? Um, I was married to the art dealer Ray Hughes, who's rather well known down in Sydney. But we began up in Brisbane, and when the marriage failed, I lost the art world in the custody case, and uh, I had to find a new job. And Rose Creswell rescued me and gave me um, gave me a place to be. Before that, I'd, I'd been with one of a, a person who Rose had put me onto, and I did a about a year and a half as a small publisher with Kerr Publishing. Right. And uh, Kerr was fantastic. He'd come out of Heinemann and had done bestsellers and opened up his own little house which only did bestsellers <laughs> mm. which was fantastic because that is what he did he he did the Fred Hollows book which sold mm. thousands and thousands of copies and encouraged me to to, um, to sign up books as well and uh, it was it was a terrific grounding in the business on, on the practical side of things and I was responsible for every aspect of book production mm. so when I came to the agency, I had all that experience, which 
then Rose was able to kind of hone down into the business side of things, the, you know, the, the contract negotiation and stuff. So, um, yeah, I just applied all of the things that I knew about looking about uh, about looking after artists to mm. looking after authors, mm. which is um, authors are the most special people in your in you <laughs> rocking your world at the moment and. Everything you do is on their behalf, and uh, yeah. So those people who aren't published authors yet, but they're aspiring writers, mm. you know. So, what would your advice be to them, you know, who who are on their first draft of their story at the moment and they're trying to break into the industry? What would your advice be? Um, don't give up. It's as Frank Morehouse says, it's log jammed out there in the big wide world. Um, and just keep going. Um, it's you know, it's eventually going to find its audience, even if it's only one or two people. It's not a waste of time. If it's a story that suits a commercial market, then it will no doubt be picked up. Um, but the thing, the, the most important thing to remember about the publishing industry is that it's it's a commercial industry. It's not there to only look at truth, beauty, and, and gorgeousness. It's there to make money. Mm. And if your book doesn't suit a commercial market, it's not personal, and it's not it's not about you. It's about the marketplace. Mm. And um, you know, really, you know, I'm a, a total sucker for beautiful literature. And unfortunately, there isn't. There isn't a lot of money to be made out of that because there are only so many readers of it out there in the universe, mm. and um, you know there are very few publishers who can can take on those books because they have to they have to have Harry Potter there behind it mm. in order to be able to to have the luxury of publishing it. So you know it's one of those things, something that you write this week and send to a publisher may not be commercial in 10 years' time. It might, the wheel might have come around. Mm. So don't chuck those manuscripts out. <laughs> keep them in the bottom drawer and keep rotating them and uh, keep honing them and and getting them as, as beautiful as they could possibly be, regardless of whether they're commercial or not. They still have to be good things that you don't waste people's time with them. You know, they've got to be worth two days of someone's life. Mm. Great but, advice. Yeah, yeah don't give up. Just keep doing it. Keep writing. If you're a writer, you won't be able to do anything else anyway. So, and have a day job. <laughs> <laughs> Great advice. Thank you. And on that note, really appreciate your time today, Annette. Thank you. You've been listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo. You can find us online, including details about our courses, seminars and online learning, as well as information on our regular competitions where you can win books, movie tickets and literary experiences at www.sydneywriterscentre.com.au or visit me on my personal website, www.sydneywriterscentre.com.au ValerieKoo.com. That's ValerieKoo, K-H-O-O.com. Thank you for listening.